Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. There's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling, and you're one of them. You know all the bad shit you've heard about us? It's all true. But another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling, and that's why we're here. I'm not sports entertainment anymore. Talk to him, kid. This is a new beginning, and it starts tonight. A new day is dawning for DX. You know who you're talking to? What's up, everyone? This is Xbox12360. Thank you for tuning in. Have a hell of a show today, as always. We're going to be talking. Actually, we already did. We got this like uh, uh, exactly a week ago after we after we did last week's show. We, with Drew McIntyre, we uh, we went down to NXT. The whole crew did. And, Field trip. Yeah, and we got the uh, we got a. An exclusive one-on-one interview with Alistair Black, aka Tommy End, and it was yeah. fun. It was really cool. Anyways, uh, anyway, how you guys doing? Great, man. How are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I, I, it's there's a lot of effed up shit going on in the world, and then we have wrestling to escape all that with, mm-hmm. which is really cool. That's uh, what it's there for. Right? Yeah, but like, okay, and within within wrestling, there's also sometimes some kind of effed up things that happen like um you know the greatest of all time being in the hospital like you know fighting for his life mm-hmm. so um just want to send the love out to the nature boy rick flair and you know and his and his family his daughter went uh his daughter megan his daughter charlotte mm-hmm. what's her real name again i'm sorry uh anyways um uh, his fiance wendy uh everyone that loves the nature and also, uh, you know, I some people might have saw this or read something about it, and uh, um, ended up talking about the subject on the Tomorrow Show the other night, and started talking about some things I, you know, um, speculating on things uh, concerning Rick's health, and just without knowing all the facts and uh, going off into certain directions. I wish I hadn't, and um, just uh, want to acknowledge that I probably should have waited to talk about any of that stuff. Um, that being said, anything you guys want to add to all that? No, there's been like a real huge outpour from the WWE Universe and on both shows as well. So we definitely, you know, hope it's a speedy recovery. Yeah. It's nice to see everybody, all the wrestlers, come out and support Rick. We just saw a great uh, tweet sent from Sting. So there's so many people showing their love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't, wait for, I, I can't wait for Ric Flair to read these messages and be like, you know, pumped and excited and coming back and just... You know, getting back to that to that, yeah. that perfect place in his house. You know. Yeah, and it's just you know the the nature of like wrestling news and everything. Everyone's dying to find out like and be the first to report or whatever on you know what's ex- exactly wrong. You know, you hear different things. And how about we just wait until the family, mm-hmm. you know, um, and 
I'm saying this after I already speculated on it the other night, but like, I learned my lesson. Like, let's just wait until the family like gives us some official information instead of trying to be the first one with the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as someone who has to do it as his job, it's been a real bummer to have to provide the updates as they trickle out. Now, unlike a lot of sites, we we try to to stick to just reporting on what like vetted legitimate reporters report like we don't go off speculation we don't go off rumors we don't go off of oh you know so and so sent a tweet out so like we don't go off of that stuff we try and stick to people who like have direct contact and people that we know are legitimate reporters so that having said that it's been um it's been a bummer to have to continue to update people on like the legitimate news that's coming out yeah Um, like we're glad that we can provide that service but it's bummer man like anytime uh anytime someone like this like it's been a it's been a while since there's been a huge wrestling like uh, medical misfortune or, or something um but it's it's never easy when, no. when it's someone of this stature no uh i do know that like the, I, I am getting word that like it seems like he's at least you know out of danger at least stable mm-hmm. that's anyways. good that's good i mean i do hear that i think it's maybe safe to say that well, that's a good thing to say yeah. if yeah. you're going to say something. That's so. Uh, what else is going on in the world of pro wrestling? I mean, Tozawa won the cruiserweight yeah, title. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch all of Raw, but I did see like I did see that happening because I had it kind of on in the background as I was getting ready to go over for the tomorrow show, and um, good stuff. Congratulations, to right? Him. Yeah, yeah, and so and awesome. look, man, I've been like uh, very critical on WWE's handling of the cruiserweight division but like okay in spite of all the obstacles they've had like i think the cruiserweight division is showing is uh showing us some stuff and i think right now was the best time for tozawa to take the win because he's hot man people are loving the titus brag it's Mm -hmm. funny it's exciting you know neville already had the belt for eight months you know we were wanting to starting to see some sort of change so i think having neville i mean sorry having tozawa take that victory i think it was kind of twitter blew up for like a couple of days it was it was amazing and titus o'neill's oh my god he's priceless and the and and the just the image of him like towering over Tozawa, like he's the manager and that's the, yeah, the fighter. That's great. And I just, I mean, there's so many things about this that are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The, I think the cruiserweight division has vastly improved since Titus O'Neil got involved. Uh, I think, on. I think everyone who's connected to Titus right now, it's the best possible thing that can be happening for and, them. Yeah, and um, and just like overall in the cruiserweight division, more like in the way of strong personalities you know i mean such as such as neville who i i'm so happy uh is a heel now yeah you know i don't know if i've said that much or we've even yeah. talked he's about been doing that. amazing work ever since amazing amazing he's yes. like he's been the 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 shining light in that division yeah uh do you think that the cruiserweight division would benefit from enzo moving over? oh there? you know i actually i talked when i was with last time i was with the enzo um, he was talking to me about wanting to do that. Oh, he wants to do it? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I gave him the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. You know? I I, gave him, I was honest about it. Like, I'm like, look, you know, it's not... You know, it's not Vince's... You know? <laughs> that's, he, that's not his... You know? Right. How do you put it? It's not his baby. So yes, it's not, not really his baby concerned. necessarily. But you imagine that he'd be a... And that not, would be a fixture of that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I would like to think so. Yeah. Seems and like they not, don't know what they and do you know, anymore. Enzo's in ring style isn't like 
as compatible. Like, I wouldn't call it a cruiserweight style, but that's okay. Right. Because everyone else in that division is doing that. So um, he would stand out, and he would bring personality and, and, and some marquee you know, name value I to it. I think it would be great to have a little bit more diversity in the Cruiserweight division right now, because during the Cruiserweight Classic, we saw a million styles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And since it's been on Raw, we've so, sort of Five. seen one style. Yeah, there's yeah. like... Yeah. The and handful. it's the same style, minus a little bit of taking your time and and that uh, out there, as the heavyweights do. You all see the same moves and, and spots and, and uh, uh, you know, high-risk aerial maneuvers in a World Heavyweight title match. It's all just WWE style. Yeah, it's just it's just all the same. Yeah. So there, you have to do a lot more these days to stand out than just doing moon salts and you know triple NDs from the top rope to the floor. Right. It's gonna it's gonna be a little bit more to it than that from now on, folks. That's why I think um, you know we're going to talk to him in a minute. But Alistair Black is billed at two hundred five um, in WWE. Yeah, and he would be another guy who would really set that division apart because I don't want to see him in the cruiserweight division, but if they're gonna end up putting him in that cruiserweight division, he would be a guy that would really set it apart as this guy's something special. Yeah, the, here's my issue with it is um, my the deterrent for me was always, and I told them that I'm like it's it's a it's a cut and pay. Yeah, from where I was to to doing that and. Uh, so it's hard to get excited for it based on that. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know? But you don't think it would be an increase in pay from NXT? Oh, yeah, maybe. Depends, because not all NXT guys get paid the same, you know. <laughs> That's true. You yeah. know, everyone makes their own deals around there, and rightfully yeah. so. So. And we also had uh, Sasha defeat Nia Jax, who's now going to go against Alexa Bliss, too. Oh, I saw that. So yeah. I did see that, exciting. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was kind of... Was led, led to that. We all kind of knew that's what was going to be we, happening. No, I didn't know. I, well, I thought I thought Sasha was going to. I think it's a little there. too early for because they're really building to Nia. They're mm-hmm. doing a real slow burn to Nia versus Alexa, which is good, which they rarely do anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's a little bit too early since it's like a stopgap thing because Bailey's injured. And today, an uh, interview came out with Bailey where she talked about her injury and she says it's going to be a couple months at least before she comes back. Did they must have built that lifeguard. Stand thing at the very last minute. Did you see it? Yeah. And they just bought a life spray paint, paint. Spray silver spray paint on it. Everyone was in front of that. What were you gonna say, Mark? It's like just go to go to the Ace Hardware, pick me up a lifeguard stand, and get three or four bottles of silver spray paint. We got ourselves a gift. No, no, they built that thing from scratch. Yeah, really? Oh, I bet uh, you they did. Hell yes. Although I do like that Mark knows that Ace Hardware is where you get a lifeguard. <laughs> yeah. What Ace year is, the place is it? What year is it where, when there was even such a thing as Ace Hardware? Is that still a thing no, anymore? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really a thing. Yeah. So is Orchard. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hardware stores are always stay in business. I'm glad to see that, that some of the stores from my Childhood are still around. <laughs> yeah. And then on SmackDown, we also had Baron Corbin cash in his money in the bank, and <laughs> to some people's surprises, it didn't go as planned. So I don't know what you guys thought about that. I didn't see it, but it didn't didn't sound too. You know, I, I uh, how how did how did it go? Did it it didn't shine a great light on Baron? So uh, basically, it was a. Uh, it was Cena and Jinder, and Baron came out, and Jinder was on the ground. And then afterwards, he, 
Baron was walking back to the ring and he had his money in the bank and he kind of has that moment where, you know what? Jinder is down on the mat. This is my chance. So he runs back in. The crowd is excited because they think like, oh, we're going to see a new champion here today. And then all of a sudden, John Cena distracts him and uh, Jinder gets him and pins him. Schoolboys him? That was it, yeah. yeah. He schoolboyed him from the one, two, three. Wow. Who did he piss off? (laughs) John Cena, maybe. (laughs) Holy shit. Who did Dan Corbin piss off? There was some drama on Twitter a few days prior. I don't know how many, how you guys know about this. With him and Meltzer? But he was talking smack about Dave Meltzer. A fan came to his defense and Baron told, called him a loser, something along those lines. And this guy is actually a former person on the army and has a picture with Vince McMahon and he said to him, I don't think uh, Vince McMahon thought I was a loser when he took a picture with me and then Baron went back and was like, hey man, I'm so sorry, you're not a loser. You uh, he shouldn't have done that. He should have DM'd him on yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, Baron's been, Baron's been living that gimmick on Twitter for years. And that's like yeah, one of his best it, qualities is he's all funny on Twitter. He just exposed himself. Like, yeah. no, you be a dick, be a dick. Yeah. yeah. Like when he Double down on it. Like oh, when that, you and your freaking. Like when the video came out of him events. after uh, SmackDown being nice to a kid and giving him his shirt, and people were saying, oh, he doesn't hate kids after all. And then he went on Twitter and he's like, that was my family. I don't give a crap about anybody else's kids. <laughs> like, that's how you need huh. to act. I think he probably just didn't want the optics of, like, I'm publicly insulting a veteran. Ah, too bad. <laughs> Yeah. Too bad, too late, and too bad. Just I would have just DM'd the guy and said, "Hey, look, man, I'm just trying to be a heel here." I think like, it's it's so <laughs> interesting with Twitter today how um, a lot of the personalities are kind of extending their personalities to Twitter. But after they're no longer a wrestler with WWE, how if people are going to take those tweets and use it against them as they kind of live the rest of their life, which is happening with other folks in different industries. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, at least the WWE people can go. I was doing that in character. Yeah, you know, that's the crazy thing about wrestling is like, okay, okay, this is supposed to be a fictitious action adventure show or whatever they were calling it back when I like, they started calling that like I remember in WWE, our show is an action adventure show. Hmm. Really, I thought it was like a, like you know, like sporting a, event. Yeah, like a mock sporting event or like American Gladiators. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know where I was going with that. Jesus. I think I think it made, it made Baron look a little bit like a goober, but since most of the crowd already thinks he's a goober anyway, like I think this adds a little bit like this adds some some serious venom to the Cena Corbin match at SummerSlam cuz now, you know, ideally Corbin comes out uh, Corbin's going to come out fired up at, at SummerSlam and he's going to He's going to really want to take John Cena out. So he's working with Cena. Yeah. So you know what that tells me? Like, usually, like, okay, booking 101 means that, okay, he did that, now he's going to beat Cena at at SummerSlam. I hope so. So that's that's usually the logic when you're, you're, you know. Yeah, make a guy look so bad. Sure. Then you gotta, or if a guy loses at the pay per view, they give him his, they let him get his heat back on TV the next day. Mm. There's a schoolboy thing. I think that that's brutal. Moving forward, Baron Corbin should not care about titles, wins, or losses now and just be hell-bent on destroying John Cena, and that should be his character moving forward. He's like, just going to He should come out with John Cena gear to put on his opponent. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. And no. symbolically beat the hell out of John Cena every night. I love it. Huh. And then so. it was the 20th anniversary of DX. All right, yeah. I wasn't even aware. I, Bill, you know that, because <laughs> I came over and did, did a podcast with you and Brandon Stroud, yeah. and I, I didn't even know... Till I woke up that day and saw all these tweets and 
videos from everyone. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Cool. <laughs> so, what yeah, was your favorite tribute of them all? I liked the New Day one. Oh I thought gosh, that was that's great. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. With Woods playing the DX song. Oh, singing. And yeah, then Kofi sure. just, Degeneration uh, X! Yes. So great. So good. So, yeah. Very cool to have been a part of something that they're still talking about like that. You know. Um, what's this? <laughs> oh, listen. Biggie's <laughs> <laughs> slow crotch chop. <laughs> <laughs> the slow sensual crotch chop. I love how they all have d- different DX and shirts, the, too. And the, and the trombone is like, you know, green. DX green. <laughs> so it's a good touch. Yeah. That's so great. You know who you're talking to? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very cool. Awesome. Very cool. What else? Uh, Triple H came out. To, uh, he had a press conference today, and this is really cool. He uh, said that there's a possibility that they're going to be seeing some main, ro- main roster guys go into the to the NXT, moving to the NXT brand, which I thought was pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Didn't Superstar we talk, did we talk about that? Yeah, we talked a little about they're considering it a little bit in the Superstar shake Did we talk about that on the show, or did we talk about that in private? I think it was in private. Huh. Yeah. And we were oh, talking- no, I thought we talked about it with Drew, Drew McIntyre a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. I think so. So, um, cool. In the situation of making it feel like they're all on the same field instead of like going to NXT as a demotion instead of a promotion right. kind of such situation. such a good interview last week. Yeah. yeah. Amazing guy. Drew was excellent. Love Drew. Yeah. Shout out to everyone at NXT. We had an amazing time at the NXT oh show. Thank you. Yeah, WWE let's talk about that before for... we go to the interview. I loved it. I thought my favorite match of the night was probably Hero and, or I mean uh, Cassius Ono and Atami. Okay. I loved that and I loved the women's was it a tag match? Tag the, yeah. the women's tag match was really good, too. It was awesome. I yeah. thought the opening match with Andrade Cien Almas and uh, Johnny Gargano. Gargano was happening. I mean, the crowd was really on it. They were cra- going crazy for Johnny. It was really awesome. The crowd on in general was an <laughs> uh, interesting crowd. Definitely. Because I know you guys, I was a little bit busy running around talking to different people. I still saw some of the matches, but... Um, so you guys, you had a better view of actually, you know, all the matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were having some chats with uh, William Regal. Well, yeah, about a lot of things. Yeah, how was that? Yeah. You hadn't seen him in years, right? No, not years. I see him all the time, like, you know, every several months. But, you know, within those several months, you know, there's always quite a bit of things that happen to talk about. You know, personal stuff and then just state of wrestling stuff. and You know, where different guys are at, you know development wise you know and also uh, I come around and so they asked me to talk to different guys you know like hey talk to this guy or you know I'm not going to name names but I don't know anyways so um, they use your knowledge yeah sure why not he's an expert yeah I am happy to give it to him was there anyone else there that you hadn't seen in a while like Baldo or Norman Smiley no, I see, like, you know, when I... The same situation Yeah, because I just saw him at WrestleMania. Oh, okay. Um, but the big guy, Lars. Man, oh, that guy's man. money. Uh, that guy's the best. That match, yeah. that was Lars my and favorite Oni. match. Lars and Oni. That was that just boot amazing. to the face. Yeah. yeah. It's like about, like as good as like a six to eight minute match can be, you know? Like, yeah, so it was going to be longer, but uh, Oni got, a, got busted open, a, a, like a boxer's cut above the eye. Yeah. 
and uh, and so they they cut it short. They went right home, and man, like just high impact stuff and. The people were into it, and they were feeding both of them off of the, the Yeah, Oni's been doing crowd. that kind of stuff for the past couple of weeks. He recently had a match with Hideo Itami where the first couple of moves, he looked like he broke Itami's nose. <laughs> and then Itami went to the back, and then they came out and kept fighting. It was amazing. <laughs> I, but in terms of the show, I really liked the tag match between uh, Riddick and Moss, or sorry, Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli versus uh, Alistair Black and... Uh, Drew McIntyre. McIntyre. Yeah, it was really was good. Really was cool. I liked the, the character work that uh, Moss and Sabatelli were doing. The, I can't get out of it, man. That was, <laughs> that Gino, was so funny. Loved it. Do you know that was um, uh, Alistair Black told him to say that <laughs> right in, in the middle <laughs> of the ring. Hey, That's tell your good. partner you can't get out of it. <laughs> that was so funny. The, the only the only blemish on that match is the ending uh, where Alistair just dove oh, he didn't it. get caught on the dive well that like okay yeah the guy didn't catch him on the on the topicone hero to the floor um and also the one guy uh riddick yeah he close. got he got uh whipped into the ropes by drew and I, he must not have hit him right because he went all the way through him almost and like ended up coming up with bleeding somewhere yeah yeah, yeah. Slip. if you hit those ropes right that doesn't happen <laughs> but maybe drew he's so Jacked right now. He probably threw him in so hard. He <laughs> freaking almost went into the crowd. Drew, I think Drew was doing his own tribute to DX with all the crotch chops yeah. and everything. <laughs> I thought that was a guitar strum. He was doing the guitar strum, but he was also doing a lot yeah. of. Uh, he was having right. lots of fun. Very, yeah. very entertaining. He's a star. When he just walks out, you like you just see it. Like everything, the magnitude of it all was just very fun to see. Well, and a lot of that comes with the confidence that he gained uh, uh, by going out and conquering things on his own away from WWE before coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a different person coming back. Uh, knowing, uh, knowing the the before Drew and the today Drew, like I can tell you from you know just seeing the both of them, it's almost two different people. Yeah, when it comes to that. For sure, yeah. When he uh, when he took the time off and he went on the Indies, and I saw him as Drew Galloway, just like a year into him being on the Indies, I was like, man, he's got everything. He's amazing. Yeah. Especially compared, like any time a guy, you know, the the independent scene is chock full of extremely talented wrestlers, but any time you see someone go from who's been at WWE go back to the Indies yeah. and mix it up with under other indie wrestlers, like you instantly see like. Oh, that's that's a person who's been through the process and has been on TV and understands about psychology and creating a character. That's right, connecting with people. Yeah, and then he comes back and 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 you mix that with the guys, these young hungry guys that are great, yeah. but they just don't have the experience yet, so they don't know all those finer, fine tuned things about you know how to make the match better, like in that regard. So you get a, it's it's just a, a fantastic combination. It's really cool. I think that's why it was good that, you know, that they had them both pair up with uh, Tino and Moss because, you know, they're, you know, still relatively new. So having them work together was kind of, you know, to help them out and stuff like that. Riddick Moss, uh, I was talking to him. He's from Edina, Minnesota, a Minnesota boy, but he didn't start in the Indies. He never touched... He never stepped foot in the ring until he went to performance center. S- same with Lars Sullivan. And there, like... I was very impressed when I... Um, Always, I, I already thought you know, a guy had a ton of potential, but knowing that there was no prior experience, I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty damn good. Yeah, we, we saw Moss at Access 
31, WrestleMania 31, and he, yeah. He, yeah, he put on a hell of a show with Hugo Knox, who unfortunately is no longer at NXT. But yeah, he, I'm so happy that he's finally getting his chance on TV. He's just, you know, he looks like, you ever see the French Angel? Yes. Maurice Tallet? Yes. Looks just like him. Big old ass hands. Yeah. Big old head. Weird I think body. his head's gotten smaller, though. <laughs> His head's starting to look too Maybe normal. His body's now. getting bigger. Yeah. Anyway, it's crazy that like seeing him in person is is even more impressive. Where you see like he's got like a waist that's like that. Like he, yeah. he's just all chest, all yep. chest and hands. Hey, um, so I was thinking like we, before we get too long winded here, um, is there anything else that we should talk about before we go to the Alistair Black interview. Last thing I want to do, that I want to do, is shout out uh, Sonia Deville, former host here at AfterBuzz TV. It was wonderful to see her and talk to her at the show. She performed at the same place where she did her last MMA fight, and and to see her come back and perform for the WWE was just a treat. Yeah, was she awesome was, talking to her. She was part of a hell of a tag match. Great Ruby team. Riot and those other girls. Yeah, man. Sarah, some Sarah Logan, Mandy Rose. And Mandy Rose. Yeah. So over that, day, that night too, yeah. Mandy. Cool stuff. Yeah. Oh my God, they were loving her some Mandy. They were loving them some Mandy. I may have named her finisher backstage, but it was really cool. What'd you name it, Jimbo? Thorn in my side slam. It's a lot of syllables, man. It ties more, in. more bang for your buck. Yeah, something like that. But she was cool. I was like, "Hey, you got a name for that thing?" She's like, "No." I was like, "You should call it the Thorn in My Side Slam." She's like, "Oh, that's really good." And I tweeted her. She's like, "Smiley face, happy hands, whatever." I was She's like, "Oh, cool." Humoring each other. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. So when Mauro says on when Mauro Ronaldo says it on NXT, I'll be like, "Thorn in My Side Slam." Pat on the pat on the back. Mama mia! By the time he tells the name of the move, the match is over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We're gonna. Uh, we're gonna. We're not. I don't think we're gonna even take a break. We're gonna roll right into the Alistair Black interview live on location at the Note Club. Noble. No, we're gonna hit a break. Well, whatever, Mark. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> my freaking show. <laughs> All right. Be right back with Alistair Black. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Sitting here and catering uh, the, I was about to say Club Novo, but it's just oh, it's actually called Club Novo. Yeah, it's Club Novo. All right, at NXT, um, held a crowd out there, and uh, I'm with Alistair Black, formerly known as Tommy End, and we met in uh, in uh, PCW, Preston City Wrestling, or no? Southside. Southside. Southside wrestling. I wrestled. John That's right. And you wrestled, oh my God, who did you wrestle? I guarantee it was a tag match. I know that much. <laughs> so it might have been the second installment of you and the late Chris Travis, yes. Martin Kirby. Maybe. Versus, I, bl- I blank there. So, but I just, rem- I thought that uh, like when we sat down and actually had a pretty good talk, yeah. man, about a lot of really cool things. Yeah. I thought that was at Preston City. No. That no. Was not a- Shows you what I know, people. Uh, the same guy, though. That's, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just that we had so many things uh, 
come to find out interests in common and a lot of them uh uh, are written here on your oh, yeah. body, man. Yeah. The the stories of all your tattoos. Do you tell that the stories of that of uh, that much? So, to, to to an extent, like some of the things I kind of like keep to myself because I know that not all views in this world are politically right. You know, accepted. So some of the things are just like things that I have in my head that I I can put on my skin. I'm so. pretty sure I can think of what things those would be. Sure, exactly. we won't talk yeah, about those. Exactly. <laughs> I remember one thing very vividly, and I remember coming home to my uh, to my uh, to to my parents like. Um, next day because like whenever I always wrestled like when I flew home the first thing I did was like I walked over to mom because like back in Amsterdam and I left a minute away from my mom as you do being a good son you had a whole weekend week of tours and matches you go back and you talk to mom that's what you do yeah I remember one thing very vividly and we were standing there and we just ordered some food and you and we were standing on the outside it was quite dark and you looked at me and you said, why is that square encompassing your hand? And I'm like, wait. Yeah. Because that thing is hidden. Yeah. And it was dark. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it, but it's in, it's it, it's like infused in the in the tiger in the in the, in the tiger head. And he just caught that one. And I'm like, I, I thought that was such a mesmerizing thing, because like it shows that you have like you have attention to detail. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool thing. You're just like, we're talking, all of a sudden you go like so you you look me straight in the eyes. You didn't even look at my hand because you, you you picked it up before, obviously. You're like, so why is there a square encompassing your hand? I'm like, wait, you caught that? <laughs> really funny. And then you told me. And then I told you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, it, and you know, a lot of it has to do it. I just I'm really a believer in the power of symbols. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, same. I believe uh, I believe um, the stuff that I tattoo on me has a certain power. To an extent, right? Yes. You know, to an extent, like it evokes something. It can, if you want, if there's if there's if there's power behind your thoughts, putting it down onto you. There's definitely something there. The power of will and the power of thought is very strong, especially translated through symbols. Yeah. Believe that very much. So. I was just sitting here as you're telling me that. I'm thinking, man, you. It's really hard to tell you're Dutch, man. Like, because <laughs> I mean, even Boss Rutten has more of a Dutch accent than you do. It's very, very. Uh, American accent. We've never met me and Bus. Yeah. But I heard that he forgot how to speak Dutch. But then when you listen to his accent, for me as a, as a Dutch person, uh, I go like, "Come on, you haven't forgotten how to do Dutch." He, yeah. you, you pretty much sound like a, 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 a cliche Dutch person speaking English, with, right. with all the respect to Bus. But um, I heard that he doesn't speak uh, Dutch anymore. Like he completely forgot about it. I know uh, if it's true. I don't know if it's true. Like don't don't pin me down on this, Bus. If you. You know, like, I don't pin me down on this, but, but I've he, heard that he, uh, he, he doesn't speak Dutch anymore at all. You guys don't know each other? But no. Did you, didn't you guys come from the same kickboxing academy? No. No, no, no. no. And Boss is much older than me. Like, Boss yeah. did pancreas. I did kickboxing. Um, obviously, like, Boss did kickboxing, but by the time I kind of got into, like, kickbox stuff, I th- he was already in Japan and stuff. Like, I do. I thought fighting. maybe it was the same school, though. No? No, no. I, can't, I, I came from Schreiber, um, and at the time, Dick Frey... And, uh, oh, Hans, Dick Fry? Yeah, and Hans Nyman yeah. uh, back in Beverwijk, uh, where Stefan Schroof is originally from. Right. Um, and uh, I, I come from like those like schools and stuff like that. And um, I think he came from. Oh God, yeah. I always forget. I always, I always forget his name. He, uh, he used to fight in Thailand. He's he's the found. He's he's a he's a godfather of. Is like Rob Kamen? Rokaiman. Yeah, he's about go. as badass knows, as you get. <laughs> I yeah, I, I think like and yeah. again, don't pin me down on this because like I haven't studied like like the backstory of, of Basrutin very well. Like I, I I love his matches, but 
Um, I, th- I think he came from 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 Rob Kaiman's uh, gym, Kyukushin guy, with with the boxing, turning into kickboxing because that's what Rob Kaiman yeah. invented. So. Oyama, Masa Oyama, mm. with the punch in the oh, ball. Oh. Did you ever see the pic? Did you ever see the videos of him actually uh, killing the ball though? You know the yeah. story of him killing the ball with the with the punch. Masayama, the, the 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 father of Kyokushinkai. Yeah. Yeah, but then when you watch the the actual film footage, man, the bull was tied up and it was bullshit, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, not that he wasn't a badass, but, but that what you know, but the, know, what I that story you know, was like, built yeah. on. It was, uh, oh the man. The footage did not translate. Into no, the man. Language. No, I really Asked wish I wouldn't have saw that. So, um, but. But were you always a big wrestling fan? Yeah. So um, when I uh, grew up, uh, I didn't really watch uh, WWE. Uh, we didn't have it. Uh, we had Eurosport. Right. And Eurosport had uh, New Japan. So growing up, I watched New Japan all the time. And then from New Japan, we went to WCW. Yeah. And I think it was like 15 or 16 when I first ever saw WWE. And I was like, what the hell is this? And the funny thing was, guys that I came come to love in um, like New Japan and in WCW, all of a sudden we're in, we're, we're in this, this company called WWE. I'm like, yeah. wait, are they working for the same? Because like, there was no chronological order in what I was watching because I watched what was available at the time. So we had an hour of like WCW. Um, we'd had an hour of New Japan, but nothing was like taped back to back where it was like okay we're, we're doing this and this and this and this and like there was no there was no okay this week this happened and then they followed up the night not everything was just random so yeah. i was just watching random time frames of of professional wrestling that was that were so it wasn't even chronological necessarily nothing nothing but, no so we did you how many other people uh your age wanted to be pro wrestlers in amsterdam though funny enough i found a, a relatively big group of guys uh, once the internet started kicking yeah. in more, like you know, you had the little forums and stuff like that, and you you know you started searching for like professional wrestling, and uh, you found out like 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 dudes living close to you, like oh yeah, I'm a big wrestling fan as well, and like hey, we should totally ha- like meet up and hang out, and like I had this one buddy, uh, he's a wrestler still in Holland, Tankwa, uh-huh. um, and he used to he used to get all the cool stuff, he used to have all the tapes, he I don't know how, but he was one of those guys that always had a connection everywhere to get whatever he wanted. Um, and he had like uh, he introduced me to like uh, all Japan and he introduced me to uh, Noah which was very young at the time and uh, we watched Torimon Revolution Pro from back in the day like you know the original Cali group you know Super Dragon Taro like all these guys Quicksilver you know name them Um, and that influenced me a lot and then like the early years of like Ring of Honor started coming up and I was so influenced, like, by that, like, especially from an early age on, that, like, as, like, a six-year-old, because that was the first time I kind of, like, watched wrestling yeah. between the age of three to six. To me, what I saw was martial arts, because I saw two men fighting. And then growing up in the 80s and the early 90s, you had all these, like, martial arts movies. You had Bloodsport. You had Kickboxer. So everything for me combined into, like, into this one package of, like, what I'm witnessing is two people fighting. I have got to do that. I had a school that provided the, provided both. I had a teacher trained in karate and judo, and then I started training, like moving over to like stuff like panchak shilat and kickboxing. And obviously, at the time of like 10, 11, 12, I realized that professional wrestling and martial arts were two different things. But I got a knack for it, and I was like, you know, yeah. I like what I'm doing. It was fun, and I was still like, I, you know, I felt like a badass kid. Like I'm, I'm 10 years old. Like I'm, I'm kicking. 
kicking and punching through boards and stuff like that. It's, it's awesome. And, um, I just kept doing it cause I, I just love, I just love doing martial arts. And it was like, it was something to, uh, to kind of like, especially the way I grew up, like it was something to focus all my energy on and like, it's kind of, it, it was a good, it was a good escape with yeah. wrestling. It was a good way to focus my energy and like kind of not have all these things that I didn't want to think about or like situations I didn't want to be in. Cause I put everything into like martial arts and like, just like I had wrestling and martial arts. And that was the thing that I was like, and I knew the second I, I had the opportunity, I was 15. I had the opportunity to train with uh, some guys in uh, the Hague. I don't know if you've ever been in the Hague. I know what the Hague is. Well, the uh, Hague is the, you know, the national court. Yeah. 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 You and me can have a big yeah. conversation about that without the camera. That's you right. know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and there were a couple of guys and they trained with NWA Hammerlock at the time. And they were like, you know, we have the school, blah, blah, blah. It's, it was called DWF, Dutch Wrestling Federation, obviously. <laughs> And I started training there for a bit and picked up some of the basics. And then I started, like, then I started doing, like, small matches. And then I started, like, traveling to, like, Germany, England, because I just wanted more, 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 more. I just started gathering all this, like, information. And I just, I couldn't stop. I mean, I'm sure you're still the same. Like, you wake up, and the first thing you think about is what? Yeah. Wrestling. I mean, uh, yeah. For, I, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still, it still is, like, my life. Yeah. yeah. Same same goes for me. Like I wake up and the first thing I think is wrestling. My entire life, obviously being in WWE, like it revolves around wrestling. But even if I were not in a situation where I was signed by the WWE, I would still think wrestling, 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 because that's all I ever wanted to do. And and like okay, but you started off as a martial artist, and and I did too. And I really think and and correct me if I'm wrong. I like this is what separated. Me and I, and it's what separates you from the rest of the guys, like our size. Yes. And, but the thing is, is like a lot of really good martial artists I've seen try to translate, translate that into wrestling. And it's not as easy as people think. It isn't. You no, know. you need training. Like there's a lot of people because to a lot of MMA fighters, pro wrestling is a very popular thing. And I'm very thankful for them to, you know, trying to make the transition into uh, professional wrestling. But then they figure out that it's not as easy as a lot of people think. And just because you have a good athletic background doesn't make you necessarily a good wrestler. Because it takes a lot to be a good professional wrestler. And I always think that if you pick up something when you're young, your transition is always going to be quicker or better. Because if you, if you have that if that mind that like just absorbs everything as a sponge, and I think if you're 25, 26, 27, and you make the transition to pro wrestling from MMA it's a lot harder. It's always going to be a, a lot harder. I'm not saying it's impossible because it isn't because there's good dudes out there competing that are doing phenomenal work, but it's always more difficult stepping in an earlier, like in a later age into, into professional wrestling as in a, in a younger age. The, incorporating the actual, the kicks and everything else, like there, it's just, it's a lot yeah. more there just to make them look good and, yeah. and for it to just, for it to translate, you yeah. know, yeah. At, uh, you know, aesthetically. Yes. It, I just, I, I see a lot of really good guys that just, they don't get that. It just doesn't translate. No, I think, I think one of the hardest things for me was my earlier uh, as a professional wrestling, let's say ages 15 to, to, to 18. My, my striking style didn't translate. And I went back to kickboxing and I went back to like all my martial arts because I started training because I missed the conditioning I just, I just missed the dojo environment because you, you know a dojo environment nothing beats a dojo environment it's completely different than a, a pro wrestling uh, 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 
uh, training facility. It's completely different. The different rules, different way of approaching it. And I just needed that discipline again. And I, I remember starting hitting the heavy back and just literally dissecting my strikes. I was literally writing down how my knee would bend, how, how this would, how I would throw my hip and how I would put my hooks and how I would put my overhands and everything. I started dissecting it all. And then it hit me. It's like I need to combine my technique with the mentality and mindset of professional wrestling. And that's what made my striking work. And a lot of people will say, man, if you kick someone, it looks like, oh. And that's that's exactly what I want it to be. You know, like there's a lot of thought going in. Like, And I'm sure you see this. I see a, a lot of like young kids. And I can say young kids now. I'm, I'm 32 years old. I've been in this business for 15 years. I, I can say young kids now. And they, they, they look at professional wrestling, and the first thing they do is like, oh, I'm going to do some strikes. And I'm always kind of like, ah, don't be so hasty with doing strikes. Don't be so hasty with throwing out all these combinations. It's not as easy as you think it is because I see so many kids out there, and I see them strike, and I'm like, dude, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit well. I can tell that you have never in your life done this. And it, I, I don't blame them. Because, you know, they see other people do it, and it gets a good reaction. They see me on television. They see, Dev, uh, they see Finn on, 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 on television. It gets a good reaction. You know, you see all these, these, these cruiserweights doing all these, like, beautiful strikes, and it gets a good reaction. So they're thinking, hey, you know, I got to – it works. But then the reality of it is that a lot of those dudes have, like, an, like an authentic background in it. And we know how to strike, and we know how to kick, and we know how to dip and dive, and then bob and weave, and we know how to deep kick, and we know how to do flying knees and all that stuff because that's in our background. It's not as easy as people think it is. So for me, the striking ability is something that needs to be thoroughly researched if uh, a young up and comer wants to use striking in his in his move set. I think it's. I mean, it's the same as like choosing choosing a gimmick. If I were to choose having a football gimmick. It would make sense for me to study football because how would I translate that into the audience? There needs to be a connection. I, I, I mean, I don't see this as a gimmick, man. I, I just, I mean, it's you. It's it's a hundred percent authentic, 100%. and that's why it works, man. Like if you got to go out and pick a gimmick, I just, I'm not all. I, I just, I'm so over that whole way of doing it. Sure. You know? I'm I'm just using it as a reference, right. basically. Like if if I were to. You know, sure. like I feel like in, in order for something to connect with an audience, there needs to be a form of authenticity in it. I feel that if you want some people to go like, right, I get him, you have to have live it. Because you haven't, if you haven't lived through it, you can't tell the story. And that's what we do. It's like it's, it's one giant story. At least that's how I feel about it. It's, it's one roller coaster. And like if I, if there's, if there's only a slight percentage of me, what I do that isn't authentic, someone's going to pick up on it. And I, that's why I, everything I do is me, 100%. And wrestling used to be so bad about not, like, people doing gimmicks that they were, mm. that weren't authentic to them. And it's just, yeah. wrestling bands have come a long way, man. They don't yeah. buy that anymore. No, they're smart. <laughs> yeah. and, and they know what they want. You know, that's, that, that's the good thing. And I think, I think professional wrestling will always be a reflection of how society is. I think that with, with who I am translates very well in 2017 because a lot of young kids look up to me and go like, man, he, 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 he's different. Yeah. You know, I feel different. I'm an individual and they, they're individuals. Everyone's an individual. Like individuality is such a strong thing in our society. So that translates into wrestling. And here comes this guy and they've never seen anything like me before. I'm covered in tattoos, head to toe. I have this striking style. I'm, I'm smaller than most competitors. 
And people are like, yeah, that's that's my guy. And why? Because they can see a part of themselves in me. It's no longer, right, you're unconventional, back of the line. It's like, no, no, we're a, we're a big group of people. We matter. And I think that translates for them into me. That, that's what works. And it also, I, I just think, like, like you're saying with the way society is, I think that's what people are, they're attracted to that. Yeah. You know? For sure. I, I fully 100% agree. Ask yeah. question about the, the strikes. Um, yeah. You've got so many people coming into MMA now, like people like Sonya Deville, or people coming from MMA into wrestling. Yeah. Sonya Deville, Matt Riddle, of course. Yeah. Um, but you've got, you know, Stefan Bonner is coming in now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the striking, do you think another part of the problem with people not understanding how the striking works is because a, a, a true MMA strike in wrestling will hurt like hell but not necessarily look good? Do you think people are, are are not fully grasping that aspect of it, that it has to be authentic and also theatrical? Well, th- I, th- I think that's exactly what I said. I had to dissect yeah. Yeah. my I had to dissect my striking and my pro wrestling mindset and combine the two. Like, if I hit someone, it's there, but you're gonna walk away in a in a in a, in a good fashion. You know, but you're going to feel it like what we do is what we do is like to an extent is like is, is like a performance art. I feel, you know, like it's 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 the highest form of, 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 of chess, uh, ballet, uh, dance, martial arts. Like there's so much in a wrestling. It's not like it's not just something that you can just like explain to someone. That's why it's also diff- difficult to translate what you do to people. And I think for a lot of like professional fighters like they they're used to watching a certain style of, of professional wrestling and I think oh that's how I'm going to translate it and then they figure out like oh I can't do that and then they start pulling it back and then it doesn't look good and they can't find that middle ground yeah. and I think you know you mentioned Sonya you mentioned Matt Riddle those you know two successful two successful transfers I feel especially with Matt Matt's fantastic um, I've worked, I've, I've competed against Matt a couple times and that dude's like, he's, he's awesome. You know, he, he just picks it up. He's like, he's one of those guys. Yeah, he's pro- he's like a prodigy. He's, he's insane. Yeah. Same with yeah. Jeff Cobb. We you know, that's awesome. I love him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of my boys. I love that kid. He's, he's, he's awesome. And Shayna too. Shayna Baszler. Oh yeah. 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 She's, she's coming a long way as well. You know, like she, like, like a lot of people, you have to go through that struggle. And again, I say this, it's a reflection of society, it's a reflection of life. If you don't, don't go through that struggle, you can't live it. Yeah. So you have to go, all right, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Because at that point, you're left to your own devices. And once you start leaving, like some people are like, oh, you know what, done. And some people start more thinking, that's what I started doing. So a lot of people either go this way or that way. And the people that go that way will make it. And the people that go that way will like, you know. But that's up to them. And they'll find new things in life. But you have to have struggle in order to persevere 100%. So you're like, it seemed to me, um, like it's hard for me to call you Alistair, man. You can call me Tommy. Okay. Tommy. Like, on the website, it says, yeah, okay. call me known as Tommy. Yen. Right on. You can call me Tommy. It's fine. But was WXW kind of your, your home promotion yeah, for a while? Germany. Uh, I, I'd say if I, if I look back, my home promotions were progress, WXW, ICW, and Southside. I love Southside. Ben, Ben, I'll, I'll say what's up. Fight Club. What's up, Ben? 
and Fight Club Pro. You know, those boys did a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. Right on. Um, yeah, I'd say those five, six companies were like, but I, I, I will say that WXW, they made me. They 100% gave me a platform. They gave me the matches that I need. They gave me the exposure that I need. They sent me out everywhere in the world. And like, they gave me that, right, this is this guy. And it took me a long time to kind of get good at, at what I do, what I, what, what I do. But, you know, I, I, I will always credit them for, like, they were my starting success, 100%. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, man. What was it like for you? Because you said you, you, you were hev- so heavily influenced by that original Revolution Pro with uh, yeah. Taro and uh, oh, yeah. Super Trigger. What was it like to grow up with that and then finally come to PWG and work for Super Trigger? I was the best. I've met him before because I wrestled him before in, like, 2005. For, like, I have to find that. Oh, it's, it's like, I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> um, it was fun because, like, uh, Super Dragon's always been really good to me. He's always been a super nice guy to me. Same with, like, Excalibur and yeah. stuff like that. And we were on the – after that show, it was a Noah Winter Navigation in, common, in, 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 in combination with WXW. And after that, PWG ran their first ever European tour called like PWG. Yes, it's like PW European Vacation. I was on that one as well, and like, uh, so I always kind of had a good relationship with uh, with them. And then I kind of they, they they started doing their stuff, and I started like building back up there. And then like 2009, 10, 11, I started going to Japan more, like. Flew over to CZW and then I came back, did more Japan, then got more famous in like Scotland and England. And all of a sudden, like 2013, 14, I started touring through America more. And all of a sudden, Chris Hero hits me up and he's like, uh, Gaseous Ono. And he, uh, he, um, he, uh, hits me up and he's like, uh, Hey man, so, uh, I saw you here because, like, I mean, uh, Cassius is my, is my, is my, is my, is my wrestling dad to an extent. If, if it wasn't with, if it wasn't for him, like, a lot of, who I am training-wise and wrestling-wise and where I've been would not have been possible. So shout-out to Cassius Um He messaged me saying, hey, so you're coming over for, like, many a weekend. Um, I got this and this for you. Um, PWG is interested in you. Are you interested? I'm like, well, you know, I mean, yes, you know. So here I'm sitting at home going, like, well, I'm just this, 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 this like, small kid from, like, Amsterdam that has no – my country has no wrestling history, zero. So a few things like Vim Ruska, you know, the judoka. Yeah. He started doing. He, he tried doing pro wrestling. He yeah. had, he even had Jado and Gato in like yeah. 88, 89 in uh, in Amsterdam. Didn't work. Didn't he, re- didn't he work with Anoki? Yeah. Wilhelm Ruska, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is that was that his first name? Yeah. 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 And it just didn't. It, it just didn't work. And. Um, I'm thinking like, wow, like you know, I'm I'm, I'm under this really cool cool company, PWG, because like, you can you can argue about PWG's like as long as much as you want, but they have a big revenue, you know, like and they're four or five hundred passionate fans packed in that small venue, man, and they give everything from start to finish. They give everything. It's an atmosphere I can't describe. Yeah. Nothing compares to PWG. It is a fantastic place. So, I did that, and I wrestled here on that match. Is you know that match went up and uh, and and it ran its course in a very very positive way for me. Uh, allowed me to come back a couple times, did two bolas. Unfortunately, I had to pull out to a couple of shows, do some knee injuries. But yeah, that was that was wild. I got one more question for you. Um, 
you when you before you came to NXT, yeah. you had absolutely the best pro wrestling merchandise in in history. Thank you. Just the best the Sumer, Sumerian Death Squad stuff and Thank you. everything. Thank you. The the best stuff ever. And then you had your first NXT shirt come yeah. out. Best NXT shirt of all time. I want to know about the process of, of you bringing you to NXT. So I was going to ask him that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We can edit this, right? So we can put his voice in here. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, tech guy. Thank you. Um, so when we initially started talking merch, well, let's, let's, put, let's rewind the whole thing back to the process of like, we're getting this guy signed. So when they originally got me from what I gathered from the conversations I was having with, uh, with, with some of the people within WWE, they were like, no, we got you because of all that you know, all the stuff that you did and all the, you know, the character that you portrayed and just basically the person that you are. And we just like this. And this is what we want to present to a, to an audience in a, in, in a certain way with our twist on it. So I felt that I didn't really need to change a lot of things. I just need to fine tune a lot of things. And like, it's still a process, you know, like we're still, we're still getting there. Like the WWE style is a different style than what I'm used to still. And I'm learning every day. Uh, the Performance Center is a great place. Literally, like, it's changed my life as a performer, as a competitor. Um, so bringing all that with me, and I showed them my merchandise, and I said, like, well, I always did this, and they loved the fact that I had white shirts. So for anyone out there who always, like, hates on me on Twitter for having white merchandise, but, like, always goes, like, ah, I was his biggest fan. I've always had white shirts. Because everyone always had black shirts. So... Um, it was almost it was always reversed. Like we would uh, me me and Michael Dante at Tech Point, we would bring out I think the ratio was five white shirts to one black shirt design. Or we would reverse the designs. But we would bring bring out the white shirts first, simply because everything we stood for was counterculture. So we looked at wrestling and we're like, Well, if you're gonna bring out black shirts, we're gonna bring out white shirts. You're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. And why? Because we could. And because people understood, again, reflection society. You know, because people understood, and that's exactly what we did. So, uh, with the process came, they presented me with an, uh, like a, a bunch of options, and um, the, the Hand of Glory stood out to me. I really liked that design because it had a lot of things, and especially if you know the you know the backstory of the Hand of Glory. It's 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 there's something alluring about it. It's quite gruesome at the same time, but it's also like it's it's it's, it's sort of a warning to an extent, you know. So. I thought it was a really cool concept, and obviously it's different than what like what they've ever presented before. So why not bring this, the merchandise in with this guy that we're giving a different light than we've ever given anyone, and why not bring his merchandise in there as well? So they uh, they started out with the white shirt, and funnily enough, they couldn't keep track of it. It kept selling out. It kept selling out every time. I was like, "Are you guys bringing out the black shirt?" And he's like, "No, because the white units keep going. We don't have to because the white shirt keeps selling." So, you know, that's what that process was. The Ascension has some symbols in their stuff. Hell yeah. Any of the same ones? Um, I, I th- no, because didn't they use the Eye of Horus? Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, they right. did the Eye of Horus, right? I never used the Eye of Horus. I used the Eye of Providence. I have used... Um, the Eye of Providence is the one that's inside the... Uh, well, the, 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 well the, the Eye of Providence right? is the Eye of God. You know, because there's, there's multiple. People always go on, like, oh, my God, Illuminati. Rah. But people don't understand that if you walk into your local church and you see the, 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 the lead and paint windows, the, the, uh, the Eye of Providence is presented there because it means that God watches everything. God sees everything. Now, people know that I'm not a religious person, 
But again, we talked about this. I like symbolism. I like yeah. the thoughts behind symbolism. I feel symbols, symbols are empowering to an extent. So um, I've used the eye of providence. I've used the all-seeing eye. Yeah. They're, they're two different things. And um, I, I basically used a lot of like symbolism that I knew would evoke a reaction as well. Yeah. Why? Because I know what works. <laughs> Simple as that. So there's a lot, there's definitely like it's not just random symbols thrown out. No, no. The age has a meaning, and so, yeah. One of the funny things is, and like not a lot of people to this day still realize, but the old Sumerian death squad had a, a, a hidden message in all of them. And I'm not going to tell them about any, but there's hidden messages in our shirt that a lot of people didn't pick up on. There is words put in a certain way. There is like, or right, I'll give away any, I'll give away, I'll give away one. I used to bring out like this, this, this shirt with like uh, stuff from my diary that I write, wrote because I was a, obviously a very teen angsty kid. And I had like the Tommy N shirts where the, uh, uh, where like the, the stuff was written on the back. And some of the letters are, are printed thick. And if you put all those letters together, you get some words. And a lot of people didn't pick up on that. And like cipher. Exactly. Yeah. And we had symbolisms like, and if you put the shirt in light, then all of a sudden something would come through. And we had all these all, all these things. And that's why I still think that like a lot of people like 10, 15 years from now are gonna go like, Man, they were something different, weren't they? That's Even some, if you look at our promos. That's some Rosicrucian shit. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. But we just like we just we just wanted to do something different and like put some thought into it and make it creative and make it fun and make it make it something that was there because there was an interest there because there is an interest now and a lot of things yeah. like a lot of people are interested in like certain occult things and before people flip out on the world occult occult is nothing more than like 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 diving into like esoteric belief systems or right. like 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 mathematical systems that have a different way of presenting themselves to human beings like it's, it's it's philosophy it's not necessarily oh my god it's all spooky and, and this and paranormal and like ah the devil like it has nothing to do with it at all people are so uneducated and we kind of thrived off that we thrived off the fact that people didn't really specifically knew the symbols so we used them and we'd invoke a reaction with people and it was just, like a, just because they don't know the symbols don't mean they're not they don't have power ex- yeah well. exactly yeah. so like one group of people thought it was amazing, and the other people were like, well, we can't wear this. And I, I, I respect both groups. I was like, that's good, because now I know, because that was a measuring stick for me as well. I remember very vividly, um, we, had this, we had this segment that we filmed, and um, we put it, like, uh, we, 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 it wasn't YouTube, and it was not long after that, I got emails from uh, religious groups asking us to cease and desist because what we were doing was like this and that and such and such and it was such an interesting such an interesting concept where people were generally this like concerned for what we're doing because like what we're doing is nothing more than shock rock because that's that's what it's shock rock you know but it's still a big part of me because a lot of that stuff is stuff that I learned stuff that I read about because it's a huge interest in mine you know that's what we, yeah. like i said like we used all that stuff to get reactions from people and it was fantastic hey you're in a tag match tonight um do you is that what they've been putting you in a lot lately uh, uh like, yes i know yeah. like me and drew have been tagging a lot yeah. um you know big drew is uh well, we all know Big Drew, so it's really it's really awesome that you know to to tag with them. He he knows so much. He's been he's been in the business for such a long time, and he's been here 
you know, obviously before he's been here so long, so I learned a lot from him. Um, I go up and down. It's 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 singles, tags, yeah. six mans. It's just a lot of fun, man. And the whole like the whole WWE style thing. Um, like my friends and I, we call it the main event style. Yeah. You know, yeah. more or less. But to me, the main event style is actually whatever works. You know, yes. like and like you know the and to me like what tells me something works is the reaction from the crowd, obviously. Yeah. And uh, I. I mean, obviously, like, there are some adjustments to be made, sure. big time. But still, man, like, uh, what you what you did before you got here was working, or you wouldn't be here right now. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's also something that's why I'm trying to fit my style within the WWE mold. And like I said, it's still like trial and error here and there. Um, I feel like I, I'm finding a good ground for everything. I'm, I feel like I have a good base to kind of like build from at this point and slowly but surely we're adding throwing stuff out putting more stuff on top of your discourse and kind of twisting stuff around it's it's a process the thing is what might seem like like people might feel like you need to just I don't think I really don't think you do in a lot of ways because so much of, of what I see in wrestling these days it's all routine yeah you know all the spots like you know just the, the way we go into dirt. I mean, it gets routine because we got to work every night. And yeah. so, you know, you get a, and shit ends up being routine, but you created your own routine. So you're the first one to do these routines. Yes. Sure. And that's why it stands out so much. Yeah. And that's, what's so cool. And I, you know, the more, uh, like the more other people realize that's what you gotta do, the more they'll stand out too. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's keep the secret to ourselves. <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it's just like, again, bringing the martial arts in there yeah. and what, it, what, what, what we're learning at martial arts. If I was learning uh, with kickbox, we're doing pad work. I, yeah. was learning, I was learning jab, jab, duck, hook, up, low kick, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, all right, how can I translate that into like something with myself? And that's where all the combinations started coming in. That's where the action reactions started coming. That's why I started blocking a certain way. That's why I started throwing uh, counter punches or counter kicks in a certain way. Just because that's the way we, that's the way I wanted to present it. I just wanted to stand out completely and actually be like this martial artist in a pro wrestling world. Hey, before, before, we, uh, before we take this home, because Bobby Roode and, uh, and Roderick Strong just finished their match. Yeah, they just killed it. Uh, oh, sh- now I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I, I know that we all sp- I speak for Sean and all of us when I say we're very excited to be able to watch you every week. We're very excited to see what the future brings for Alistair Black. Now I remembered. I was going to say, who do you like? Who are you looking forward to work? I know this is kind of a generic question, but there's there's a lot of guys in, in WWE. Takeover. And it's going to be the first ever, like legit first ever time, me and Hideo Itami are going to are going to collide. I am so looking forward to that. He's been on my radar for such a long time, and we've had a couple of times on the uh, on the independence where we were supposed to face each other, yeah. but circumstance. I think one time I was injured, and I think one time they couldn't fly over, something like that. I'm not sure. I'm not. Right. I don't know, I don't know all the ins and outs. So this one, the third time's a charm, right? So like yeah. I take over, we're gonna you're gonna see a fight. You're gonna see yeah. a fight. And he's a, and now he's a heel. And regardless of whether they want you to be a heel or not, 
uh, the people dig you. Yeah. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. I'm not for going against the well, people. And that's that's a good thing. And that's one thing that a lot of people, I hope, eventually realize. You don't have to like me. It's up to you. Right. You can do whatever. I'm Nobody's feel, it, it doesn't feel like they're like the company's going, like this guy. They're just putting you out there and, okay, good. let's see what. Yeah. Yes. And some people. Your theme song, No Man Is Ever Truly Good, No Man Is Ever and Truly And who wrote that theme song? There we go. Nice. So, uh, no, that's that's literally it. That's le- that's legit. It. I just walk this path, and you either like it or you don't. And if you like it, it's awesome. If you don't, it's fine as well. You don't have to like anything. You don't have to be on my side. There's so many other things I want to talk to you about. Will you come on the show again? Hell yeah. Thanks, man. Bro, thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. All right, we're back from that amazing interview with Alex DeBlack. It's a great interview. Amazing. Say it. It's amazing. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um... I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. And before we go, let's uh, let's do the, you know, all that Social stuff we media. do at the end here. Plug time. Jim, oh, you want to go, Jimbo? I'll start. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Jimbo in the booth. Thank you to everyone at WWE and NXT for allowing us to come and the whole crew to enjoy ourselves. We had an amazing time. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. And then don't forget to tune into the S- SummerSlam After Buzz TV show um, right after SummerSlam. I will be on the panel, and I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Uh, you can find me on all social media at Sundown Motel. Check out our uh, pro wrestling writing at withspandex.com, uprocks.com, slash pro wrestling. We are launching the With Spandex podcast this week. Uh, our first guest is not Sean, but uh, Sean will be on very soon. Uh, and uh, so stay tuned for that and we'll uh, both myself and Brandon Stroud and also Danielle Matheson we will all be in New York for SummerSlam weekend so if you see us come say hi we'll be at NXT we'll be at SummerSlam we love to meet new people damn writing for politician <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can follow us on uh, everything on after buzz tv twitter the real xpoc um ig xpoc12360 facebook xpoc12360 show um also you can buy all of sean's uh tees at pro wrestling tees at sean waltman and also it's slash slash my bad I slash 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 sean and then also <laughs> itunes give us all those um five stars all the time comments and on YouTube, all that good stuff. Also, we have a new thing, slebvm.com slash Son Waltman. Yeah, that's that's something that I, I've had available for a while, actually. It's just I haven't really talked about it much. and like Because I'm, I'm not one to really go, hey, come buy this or come buy that from me. But we, you know, we bring this show. I've been doing this show for almost a year. 50, okay. 50 yeah, we, episodes and today. I know you hear this a lot with other shows. Hey, we bring you the show for free, so could you do this or that? But, hey... You can buy one of these uh, celebrity video messages, you know, for somebody like a, you know. Like a birthday gift. Yeah, a birthday, wedding. Anniversary. Uh, yeah, anything. Divorce. Christmas, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I got two words for basically you. Basically <laughs> anything. Hey, That's kind of good, though. And, <laughs> and, if you don't, and if you don't have an occasion and just simply want to support the show, just, you know, just for, for anything. Or, yeah, if you ever wanted your favorite wrestler to tell you something. Have Sean tell yeah. you. So it's us. It's celebvm.com slash Sean Waltman. 
And then also you can find me on everything at TK Trinidad. I will also be at SummerSlam. I'm going to be taking over the AfterBuzz Twitter. So we're going to have a whole bunch of social media stuff going there. You're going to be well. taking over TakeOver. Taking over TakeOver. Yeah, that's what's this up. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Just look All for right. the chicken in the fro. See you all <laughs> next week right here on Xbox One, Two, Three, Sixty. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Jimbo Frank and TK Trinidad, managing producer of AfterBuzz TV Wrestling Mark Donica, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!